This episode of Additive Insight is brought to you in association with TCT360, the event for 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence. Join TCT on the 29th of June to the 1st of July 2021 at the NEC Birmingham for three days, 60 features and a conference lineup that explores whatever stage of development you're at, whether it's evaluation, adoption or optimization. Register now at tct360.com. Welcome to another episode of Additive Insight, your source for news, interviews and comment on the latest 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence from the TCT editorial team. I'm your host Laura Griffith, Stepter Group Editor at TCT and in this episode I'll be speaking to Max Lebowski, co-founder and CEO of leading 3D printing company Formlabs. Since its origins as a Kickstarter success story which promised a professional 3D printer that would just work right out of the box, Formlabs has gone on to become one of a handful of unicorn status companies in the additive space with its popular desktop stereolithography systems and amass an install base of more than 70,000 printers worldwide. On this episode we discuss the company's rise as an industrial player against the backdrop of 3D printing's hype years, a new dental machine built on its large format low force stereolithography platform, and we get an update on the long-awaited desktop SLS Fuse 1 system. If you like what you hear, you can get your free print subscription to TCT Magazine and receive the biggest 3D printing news of the week delivered straight to your inbox with our Additive Insight newsletter by subscribing at tctmagazine.com. You can also let us know what you think on social at the TCT Magazine and join in the discussion on the Additive Manufacturing Global Community Discord. Thanks so much for joining me today, Max, for the TCT Additive Insight podcast. It's great to have you here. How are you doing? Good, and uh, thank you for having me. How have the last few months been with kind of all these changes that were going through globally with the, the ongoing pandemic? It's definitely been a really intense, uh, stressful, exciting, mm-hmm. um, crazy time with the company. And we'll talk a little bit later about all the kinds of things that the, the company has been doing Um to help with the fight against COVID, but um, just to kind of walk back a little bit, um, TCT has been has been covering formats for for a long time now. In fact, before I interviewed today, I, I started reading back over some of TCT's early coverage about Formlabs, dating all the way back to 2012. And just reading through those stories, there's this real sense of excitement and anticipation around this fresh origin grey Apple-like product that promised to just work right out of the box. And I think you first spoke with TCT back in 2014 following the, the launch of the Form 1. So the company has come an awfully long way from this Kickstarter success story to a handful of these unicorn status companies in the industry. Can you talk about um, the biggest sort of changes or, or shifts in attitude that you've seen in the industry in the time that you've been in it? Yeah, I think um, uh, since since we've been involved in the industry, we've seen like a few different sort of waves of excitement and, dare I say, hype uh, mm-hmm. pass through the industry. When we got started, uh, people were really excited about the idea of mass consumer 3D printing of a, of a printer in everyone's home. And um, in fact, we were kind of mistaken for being a mass consumer focused product Um in the beginning, um, even though if you go back to our original Kickstarter, the first word on the page is professional. Uh, but so, so we've, we've always been focused on professional users. Um, but that's wave kind of came and went. Um, and then there's been, uh, and then I think the, the sort of the next big wave, which we're still sort of in the middle of, is um, uh, metal printing and then high volume production printing. So 
interest in 3D printing has been kind of steady and throughout that time, but but which part people are focusing on has changed. And so you, you touched on it a little bit there. Formlabs really did sort of come of age during that that peak um, 3D printing hype cycle, or what, what we've come to know as kind of the peak of 3D printing excitement. Lots of enthusiasm around this desktop 3D printing space and lots of media interest. And there was even a, a Netflix documentary, which is funnily enough, one of the very first subjects of this podcast. Um, but we've seen lots of companies kind of come and go in, in that time over the years. How did you navigate that time to ensure that Formlabs was a company that was here for the long haul and focused on industrial solutions? Well, t- to be honest, we've we've almost intentionally ignored whatever was currently hyped up in 3D printing and stayed focused always on what is uh, the most value we can deliver, get into actual customers' hands, get parts printed in the next couple years. And that's where we're, we're always putting the majority of our, our effort. And um, I think that the, the reality things have developed in some ways, you know, slower than, than people expected, but also in, in different ways. Um, and, uh, um, and a lot of what we spend time on is it's, it's a lit, a little bit harder to explain upfront why it's exciting, but in the end results in more printers and more people's hands than anything else. And that that's focusing on the accessibility, uh, and reliability. Um, you know, we, we put a lot of work into, can we make a printer that you can buy in a box, take out, get up and running and get good parts out within minutes. Uh, and that's something that no one else is really doing quite as well, um, but has resulted in us shipping more professional 3D printers than anyone else in the market. Mm-hmm. And do you, do you think that any of that kind of heightened attention, to use the word buzz again and, and, and hype around the technology, do you think it, it helped at all in terms of opening up those conversations in companies that maybe wouldn't have really considered the technology before? Was it helpful to the adoption of additive manufacturing? For sure that the hype is good overall, even if it's not always like perfectly well directed. Um, the fact that people are excited about 3D printing and want to try, um, the fact that investors are excited as you know has been helpful uh, for us. But to be honest, when we look at who actually buys our printers and uh, and break that down, um, you know for the most part, it's people who have some idea of of what they can do with a, a 3D printer. And there's people who buy it to experiment and you know hopefully find some new application. We, we, we serve those customers as well. But we're sort of most excited about the people who can get the printer, take it out, and start making tons of valuable stuff from, from day one. And so has your customer base changed at all then since um, you, you were first introduced? You know, has it become more industrial? Are there any kind of application areas that have surprised you maybe or, or types of customers that you're getting? Yeah, it's it's definitely evolved. Uh, so you know, we were focused generally on professionals from the beginning, um, but but we did have uh, some amount of hobbyist customers, and, and we still have uh, some today. Um, probably the biggest addition, uh, you know, I think if you if you went back actually and looked at the thousand customers on Kickstarter, you'd probably mm-hmm. find one of almost every type of customer we have today. Um, but one segment that grew quite a bit um, since then is uh, dental. Uh, which has you know, become a, a large chunk of our sales today. Not not the majority, but but an important segment. Um, and that's something we, we knew was an important part of the market, especially for stereolithography type printers. Um, but we weren't ready to tackle in the early days because you need uh, a higher level of um, sort of reliability and service and feature completeness of the product to be uh, relevant in that market. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and since we built that o- out over the years, that's that's become an important segment. Um, and then the other piece that's grown is various types of uh, kind of higher volume um, uh, production. Some of that's in dental, um, but uh, you know, recently we had this uh, COVID example, which which I'm sure we'll we'll talk exa- talk about, um, and a variety of other customers in different industries that are using our printer to make you know thousands, hundreds of thousands of parts per year. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so, as you mentioned, then I'm sure we'll touch on the the COVID stuff later on, and and also a little bit of the dental side of things too. But I just want to um, talk a little bit about the the evolution of, of Form Labs technology because Form Labs, of course, started out with the the Form One, moving to the Form Two, and then last year launched this new technology, low force sterilography, which at the time I think you described as this completely re-engineered approach to SLA. So, has this new and I suppose improved version of SLA broadened that scope of use? and applications that you're seeing and are there any particular standout applications that you've come across in that technology that you want to talk about yeah so uh uh i guess we could we could jump into the 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 covid story and that that's Mm -hmm. uh that's been a huge success for us in in the last few months um so we you know at at the the beginning of the COVID kind of crisis i mean the first thing we encountered is we had disruptions to our supply chain um, in China, and we were kind of fighting against that. And then, um, you know, quickly as it spread to the rest of the world, and um, it was clear there's going to be a big uh, global recession, we were adapting to it. And we were asking ourselves, like many other companies, how can we contribute to the fight? Um, and we, uh, uh, we started um, really it was driven a lot by our customers. Uh, so customers in various hospitals or other places were started to use our printer for various things like parts to adapt um, uh, other devices into ventilators or parts for to make respirators. Um, and we, we kind of were just keeping up with demand, uh, but, uh, and, you know, printing parts that people were asking us to. Uh, but then what emerged as like the most um, most impactful thing we did were these test swabs where um, some uh, some of our customers at, at University of South Florida and at Northwell Health in, in New York um, figured out they could print swabs with our printers. And um, uh, and they asked us for help to kind of refine the design and, and make more for them. And um, over a period of uh, really just like four or five weeks, we went from never having heard of a of a nasopharyngeal test swab to having a uh, having developed a medical device that we were in volume production with and and we're helping our customers get into volume production with and um, and that's a pretty amazing um, result and I think you know other companies tackled this problem as well in 3d printing but I, I think we made uh, made more progress than the many because our printers were so widely distributed and in, in so many places. So people could start, um, uh, you know, work printing these different COVID response, um, parts without, uh, without a big new investment or development or anything like that. Just go down to the printer and, uh, and get started. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. 
And we've we've seen really this happening throughout the additive industry, um, not just in terms of the swabs, but you know various PPE components and other necessary um, parts as well that people have been firing up their printers to use, and, and users that have maybe had a single system are asking how can they use it to, to help. We've really seen kind of the the industry um, kind of take take charge with this, and I just wondered with something like the, the MP swabs, do you, do you think it's kind of helping people understand more about where 3D printing's potential is as a true mass production technology going forward? Does it maybe open some people's eyes to that? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so, you know, healthcare, um, outside of dental healthcare, we, we've known that that's an important and growing segment for the long term. All the things that you could do in, in dental would apply to other parts of the body as well. Um, but uh, COVID has really accelerated development in that area. Um, many people across the healthcare world, whether they're hospitals or medical device manufacturers or, or governments, um, are uh, accelerating their investments in 3D printing. And um, and it's uh, you know like take the case of hospitals, it um, it sort of now becomes part of. The, the way hospitals have a lot of backup equipment, backup generators and things like that, so they can run through various crisis situations. 3D printer is a tool like that that, that helps them deal with shortages or, or times they need to adapt uh, quickly. So that's a really interesting new new development. Um, but yeah, in, in general, it's um, it's been kind of an amazing proof point of, yes, you can make a lot of stuff that really works with 3D printing, get it out in the world quickly. And I guess that there must be customers as well that have perhaps um, just recently um, purchased a Formos machine for specific COVID applications that may be now thinking, how can they apply this to everyday life going forward for something completely different? Yeah. Yeah. So some of the, the customers we've had that have been producing swabs in high volume have been dental labs that we were already working with or dental labs that were considering our products. Um, and they were trying to figure out what can they do while their kind of core business is, is shut down. Uh, so it's a, it was an accelerated adoption, you know, for, for those people who long term are going to use it, not for COVID type um, uh, products, but for, for dental. Uh, so it's, yeah, it's, it's definitely having a lot of kind of knock on benefits. And so uh, while we're talking about dental there, um, I wanted to ask you about um, a new system that, that is on the horizon. So um, the larger Form 3L, which is on the low force stereolithography machines, um, is about to start shipping alongside this brand new dental focus system that you're about to announce. It's the second dental oriented system after the Form 3B, which launched at the end of last year. Um, can you talk to us about that that platform and how it will differ from the current form three yeah so uh, a lot of the reason we developed uh, low force stereolithography is is to be able to scale up um, this inverted type um, SLA systems that we build to, to larger areas typically they're only used for uh, smaller build areas and they don't compete with the kind of large format right side up type SLA systems and that's because uh, more force is applied to the part, um, and the larger the part gets, you have these large cross-sectional areas that uh, you need to, to deal with. And um, so uh, we were able to really use the same technology that's in the Form 3 and, uh, in a pretty for straightforward way, build it into a larger system. Um, and this uh, this is letting us do to... Let, uh, letting us do what we did to kind of the smaller format SLA uh, market to the larger format market where today you can't really get a large format uh, system, professional system for less than 
hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollar range, and uh, we're introducing something for uh, about ten thousand dollars, and that's a dramatically different um, price point that's going to make uh, big high resolution parts accessible to many more people. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so the dental system specifically builds on Formlabs continued focus on the dental industry. You know, you've established this dedicated business unit. We've seen lots of new materials come out. I mean, I remember towards the start of the, the pandemic speaking to um, a dental network who believed that um, their industry probably has one of the, the biggest concentrations of these types of, of, of machines alongside engineering, for example. But can you talk a little bit about Formlab's success in the dental market and why it's such a win for this type of technology? Yeah, so in, in general, um, stereolithography is great for, for dental. Um, it's really the main technology in dental because you need high resolution, high detail parts uh, to make um, you know to make things that are match a patient's uh, teeth and mouth geometry. And um, we, uh, it's been used in dental for quite some time, but it's only a couple of applications that a couple of larger dental labs developed. Um, and a lot of the dental industries, a lot of small dental labs uh, and, and dental practices scattered around the world. And um, it wasn't really accessible to them. Um, the, the printing technology was too expensive. And, um, and then there were, there's other developments that happen outside of what we do around making the software and scanning easier. Um, and so in the last few years, it, it sort of became possible for even an individual dental practice to, to do the scanning software and, and printing. Um, and for us uh, to, to make that possible and to, to be successful in that market, we had to adapt uh, adapt a lot because in general we're kind of oriented as a horizontal technology company where we make piece of technology that can be applied to many different applications and we kind of focus on doing our piece of the puzzle well um, but in dental customers expect much more of a kind of a complete uh, system they don't want a general purpose tool they want to do something very specific with it and they want a, a, a tool that's built to meet those needs and they want a company that can um, understand uh, those applications and serve them well and that's why we've had to specialize a bit in 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 dental and is there is there quite a lot of difference between the technology then for this dental machine or is it mainly about the types of materials that you can work with the biggest kind of technology investment is on the material side. We've um, built up capability to develop and manufacture uh, regulated and biocompatible materials. Um, there's a whole set of quality and regulatory requirements to do that. Um, and then, then there's a lot on software as well as we've um, uh, integrated into uh, different dental uh, software systems to make it easier to have kind of a uh, simple workflow. Uh, for for the customers because they're they're not just printing they're they're involved in scanning or software or other pieces um, and then there's a lot um, that's maybe not directly visible in the product uh, but that happens on our end of testing and development um, you know if you come to our office you'll see teeth everywhere <laughs> and there's so there's a lot of printing uh, a lot of accuracy testing. Um, uh, compatibility testing uh, to make sure that um, we've got a rock solid system that that uh, produces exactly what those dental customers want. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I suppose that the dental industry is one, as you've said, with them using things like 3D scanning already, it's kind of got its own ecosystem that 3D printing can, can slot into maybe a bit more naturally than, than some other industries. 
Yeah, that, that's right. There's this, they call it digital dentistry, and, and um, there's 3D printing. There's other output devices like milling machines or scanners and software. And uh, so there's, yeah, there's an ecosystem we have to uh, plug into well uh, to be successful for our customers. And I, will, I want to talk to you about something just um, a little bit different now. Um, Formlabs launched um, a different type of technology. It was a desktop SLS system um, back in 2017, um, the Fuse One. Um, I recall seeing uh, an early iteration of this back at Formlabs offices. I think it was in that summer and then seeing the machine at a couple of trade shows afterwards as well. Um, are there any updates you can give us on that technology and maybe talk to us about the challenges around bringing this type of industrial process to the desktop space? Yeah, so what we set out to do with SLS, uh, again, same thing we did we did to SLA. We wanted to make it far cheaper and far easier to use. Um, SLS systems are some of the most powerful but most expensive and difficult to use systems out there. You, you typically find them in a dedicated facility with dedicated um, engineers or technicians operating them. Um, and that meant that you know total sales of SLS machines a couple of years ago was like less than 1,000 per year. Um, and uh, they're, you know, inaccessible, rare sort of technology. Uh, and so we, we wanted to make something where before that, an SLS installation started at around $200,000 for a full setup. And we wanted to bring something to the market around $20,000 for a full setup. Um, it's taken us a lot longer than, than, we, than we would like or we, we, would, we expected. Um, but but we are uh, we're we're very very close there and and um, we've made a lot of progress uh, since our first announcements. Um, I think what we found is that um, SLS is just a it's an even more complex process. The machines are fundamentally have more actuators and sensors and um, and uh, kind of tighter control required to get good parts out than you see with SLA. And uh, so that, and then combined with the fact that we needed, we couldn't start with a form one again. We couldn't start with a Kickstarter kind of, um, you know, more um, experimental focused product. We needed to get to something that's really reliable and works out of the box. And so that that also took us uh, longer to to refine. Um, but we're basically there now. We've got uh, beta machines in the field that are, you know, been running for months, uh, producing good parts for customers, and um, and uh, we will be bringing that product to market soon. And uh, you know, the the rest of the market hasn't advanced that substantially in this area, so we still think it's gonna it's gonna add a lot of value. You still can't really get a an SLS system, a professional SLS system, anywhere near this price point or ease of use. Uh, so we we expect to to make the same kind of impact we made in SLA, where we kind of we increase the volume of these sold by an order of magnitude over the next couple of years. Okay. Yes, I suppose because you, you've already had such success in the SLA market, there's probably that there, there's that um, different level of, of success already expected when you go to work towards another technology. You can't just start from from the ground again. Yeah, that's yeah, that's that's part of what we encountered. Is I think we were, you know, we we had our experience of bringing Form One to market, and um, we're, uh, you know, once we got closer, we we realized we can't we can't do that again. We have to aim higher, and we have to go straight to a kind of Form Two or Three level uh, product, and that that takes even more development to get there, more testing. Okay. 
Um, as part of TCT's executive interview series, we've been talking a lot with CEOs and, and company founders about sustainability. Um, and I just wondered if you could give us any insight into how Formlabs is addressing the topic and if you've got any thoughts on how the additive industry as a whole um, is approaching it or, or if you think there's more that could be being done by additive at the moment. Yeah, well, I think the the long-term... Um, impact that that additive can make is uh, is around this idea of distributed manufacturing. A little bit of what we saw with uh, with some of this COVID production, um, where uh, you know rather than centralized production in a couple of places in the world and then shipping things around the world, you can produce things locally on site, reduce those transportation um, uh, impacts on the environment, and uh, and increase efficiency by having sort of less waste and um, and that's the, I think, the biggest impact 3D printing can make uh, in the long term. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And do you think maybe that we, we are doing enough at the minute in terms of like material recycling and, and things like that? Or do you think we just kind of assume that a lot of additive is in, inherently sustainable um, as it is and maybe just don't think enough about kind of the, the impacts that it has? I think um, polymer recycling in general has, has uh, even outside of 3D printing, has struggled to actually be a positive impact for the world. If you, you look at the sort of net costs, net energy costs, um, it it's a it is somewhat uh, it's, it's difficult to to make that work well outside of a few materials. Um, and 3D printing materials are so kind of um, uh, specialized and precise in their, their makeup that it's even more challenging to make kind of high quality 3d printing materials recyclable. Um, mm-hmm. I, I think, uh, you know, there, there may be some sets of materials where that's possible with, but I, I wouldn't see that being a huge, uh, impact, uh, going forward. And just to kind of um, finish off then we've, we've talked a little bit about the, the new machines that you've got you've got launching over the next week, and then of course we can we can look at seeing more from the SLS system going into the future. Can you give us any of an insight into what we can expect from Formlabs over the next year or so? Is it going to be more of these industry specific focuses like the dental going forward? Is it going to be more materials? What can we hope to see from you guys? Uh, so we we've got a lot of work cut out for us to fully ramp up um, Form 3L and and Fuse One in uh, in the next year and um, you know shipping the products printers in high volume that's that's actually sort of the beginning then what we've seen with our past printers is we continuously uh, releasing new materials and uh, new software capabilities uh, and we really build on these printers as a as a sort of platform. Um, so I, I think we, we've had a steady uh, stream of materials releases over the last uh, couple of years, and, and we've got a lot lined up. Um, and uh, then we've got things in development that, you know, would be next generation printers and, and uh, things that could turn into a third product line. Uh, so we're, we're certainly not sitting still. And, and our ambition is to, to be the leader in 3D printing, period. And we've got to cover uh, more ground than we do today to do that. This episode of Additive Insight is brought to you in association with TCT360, the event for 3D printing and additive manufacturing intelligence. Join TCT on the 29th of June to the 1st of July 2021 at the NEC Birmingham for three days, 60 features and a conference lineup that explores whatever stage of development you're at, whether it's evaluation, adoption or optimization. 
Register now at tct360.com.